That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Oh, yes. I hate this. It is revolting. More? Please. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, October 12, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 631 of the Biden-Harris administration, 26 days until the 22 midterms. I'm on Instagram. My handle is the Bob Seska. Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go. And, of course, our Patreon page is bobseskashow.com. All right, those of you who have listened to the show for a while probably know one of my guests today. I'm talking about Bo Bowen from the Bowen Law Group based in Savannah, Georgia, my personal lawyer and friend for nearly a decade now. Bo and his law partner, Ryan Schmidt, primarily deal in entertainment law, and they've just launched their own podcast called Allegedly with Bo and Ryan. You have to subscribe to this show. It's a fun and insightful take on lawyering and the law. New episodes drop every other Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're going to talk with Bo and Ryan about podcasting, entertainment law, whether Trump will ever see the inside of a courtroom, and a whole lot more. TheBowenLawGroup.com for more information. Meantime, please help support this show by subscribing to our bonus content at BobSuskaShow.com. Okay, here comes Bo and Ryan from the Allegedly Podcast. More fun, more music, The Bob Seska Show. Is that a Sasquatch in your logo for the podcast? Is that what that thing is? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a Sasquatch holding the sword in uh, scales of justice. Why is there a Sasquatch on your logo, Ryan? I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? Since it's Georgia, wouldn't that be a bog beast? <laughs> I just, so. I'm trying to get my uh, nomenclature correct here. I don't want to offend anybody. Well, I'll tell you, the the real reason it's there is because it made us both laugh. <laughs> I love That's it. the honest truth. It's uh, like, you know, when you're going to do a legal podcast, you know, <laughs> the first thing you have to watch out for is 
all the yawns that are be- going to be coming in your direction, you know. <laughs> so if you want to do one that's that's funny and entertaining and people actually want to listen to, you got to kind of make that clear even with your logo. You know what <laughs> that's I mean? Right. <laughs> Hence the bog beast. And don't you dare call it a Sasquatch. It's a bog beast, damn it. All right. So tell me how the podcast got started. I assume you were both having these conversations around the office and decided, hey, we should record this shit. Why don't we record these things and put them on the internet? Is that kind of how you got started with this? Because, uh, I mean, you've been working together since 2018, right? Right, and, and that's almost exactly right, Bob. You know, we, we have some very good friends and clients that have podcasts, such as Bob Seska, <laughs> who served as a true motivation for it, you know, uh, example for us. Yeah. And, you know, it was just one of those things that, like, you know, we both love listening to podcasts. We love listening to yours. We listen mm. to, you know, podcasts on a lot of different sites. And, you know, there are some legal podcasts, but there's not anything like what we do. Yeah, yeah, I imagine <laughs> so. Yeah, it's very unique to your personality, Bo. And I've known you for a while now. you got a great sense of humor. You know how to talk. <laughs> That's an important aspect of having a podcast. I don't know if they tell you that in podcast school, but being able to talk extemporaneously is always important. So, yeah, so you decided, let's do this podcast, let's do this thing, and make it something that is not your typical legal podcast, right? It's not dry. It's kind of you guys just bantering about different topics. There's like one topic per show, right? For the most part, right. I mean, we may go through a couple little things, but... You know, right. It, 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 we talk a lot about pop culture, obviously, because, mm. you know, we both love pop culture. And, you know, we, we, Ryan and I pretty much start the day with, hey, what would you watch on TV last night? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just the, always fun to get the day started that way. Yeah, and yeah. then, yeah, we talk about legal topics and, you know, how lawyers are portrayed. And you know, one of the goals we have is not just to, you know, educate people on some legal issues that may be in the news and and entertain, but also sort of just change the perception people have about lawyers and about, you know, law firms and the law and, and, you know, let them know it doesn't have to be, you know, boring and and rigid. And, you know, you you can't actually have fun in this job. (laughs) And the focus of the firm right now, the Bowen Law Group, is primarily entertainment law. Is that what you're uh, specializing in right now? Right. We do uh, corporate and entertainment law. And, you know, entertainment law is obviously a subset of corporate or commercial business law. But, you know, and when I first founded the Bowen Law Group a little over a decade ago, it was we were doing all corporate law. And then a production, a movie production came to town and got referred to me. Hmm. They, in turn, referred me to the next one that came to town. And then as the industry grew, so did my entertainment practice and finally it's now gotten to the part to the point where that's the majority of our practice and and i have to say we really love it and you know i handle um music and i'm sorry i handle film and television primarily and ryan who is a musician and you know has a, a a background in the music industry yeah, yeah he really focuses on the music side of things outstanding and ryan you were on the voice is that right that's right yes yeah, season three which was uh it, it doesn't seem it seems like it should be like 30 years ago but season three was actually only 10 years ago because they do two seasons a year 
this is incredible. I know two contestants now from that show, you and Betsy Aid. I don't know if you're familiar with Betsy Aid. She was a contestant on The Voice a, a few years back. And in fact, I should probably start watching The Voice to see if I know anyone else, first and foremost. And secondly, <laughs> do you write and record your own stuff, Ryan? Do you like have a band or are you uh, a solo recording artist on the side? Yeah, so I was a, a solo recording artist. I've put out five albums and that's really how the voice thing kind of came to me yeah they i was living in boston i was going to school at northeastern and i was really connected with um berkeley college of music there and so the voice producers came to berkeley and they were talking to the professors and the faculty there and they said is there any students that you think you know might be good on the show and one of them happened to be uh a close friend of mine said well we got this guy down the street too that you might want to check out and that's kind of how it all started that's incredible you should send me some of your work so i can play it on the show yeah absolutely because that's one of the things i've been introducing on the show and this kind of speaks to copyright law and usage of music on podcasts and youtube so i guess this could open up a whole line of conversation about all of that but for several years now, I've been playing exclusively independent music, mainly because uh, I can get direct permission from the recording artists. And the way I use it is just as bumper music out of commercial breaks, because my show is a talk show. So is this something that you guys deal with as a firm? Do you deal with uh, music rights and publishing as it relates to uh, YouTube and podcasting? Because with the existence of both YouTube and podcasting, it's really opened up uh, all kinds of gigantic question marks about fair use and so on. Is that something you guys deal with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we get any number of different types of music questions from something like, hey, I found this song on YouTube. Can I use this on my podcast? To, hey, I recorded the song. It was a hit single in the 60s. Hmm. Nobody ever paid me. You know, how do I get money? <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, it, it, it really just depends on you. You hear some crazy stories, but you're you're right on on point there. Anytime you can get direct p- permission from the copyright owner, you're in a good spot. And that's actually why our our starting music on our podcast is actually this music that I previously recorded and written. So oh, you know, I, I was going to give myself permission anyway. <laughs> have re- have record labels become more aggressive about policing uh, digital use or less aggressive? I imagine they become more aggressive given the status think- of the industry. I think they've become more aggressive just because the technology has become so much better. Um, They don't necessarily have to spend all day, every day, you know, scouring the internet to find this stuff, you know, when stuff like SoundHound and uh, Shazam and all these things can just tag them Mm -hmm. on the internet every time they're used. So yeah, there's a lot of tools out there for, for major labels to find infringing uses. And that's really the reason why you'd be hard pressed. We were actually talking about this morning. You'd be hard pressed to find any video evidence of me actually on the voice because hmm. the second that that season is done the nbc universal just scrubs it out of existence that's just what you're telling people ryan it, it, you were <laughs> never on that show were you right exactly <laughs> that's I think, what i said bob <laughs> actually you know what bob you and i were on that show <laughs> it's all a big lie ryan is full of shit he was never on the voice uh, you know. he found me he got me but you know what there is no such thing as the 40 second needle drop loophole is there you can't get away with playing a studio musician just because it's only a 40 second clip right no i mean 
if it was a four second clip, you'd probably have a better argument. Forty okay. seconds. That's 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 it's pretty long. But yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really just depends. You, you were right about fair use. There's a full full list of factors that come into play with fair use. But mm. if if you're thinking about that and you're getting that far into the analysis, that probably means somebody been, has been sued and you're using it as a defense. Well, it's all over the Internet. If you look up copyright and music usage and podcasts and things like that, you see it all over the place. Well, if you only use 40 seconds of the song, they can't come after you. Well, of course they of course they can. <laughs> the yeah, there's very inconsistent information yeah, out there. You yeah, know, yeah. You'll, you'll find a site that says, oh, you could use anything you want. Not a big deal. The other one says, don't use it at all. I mean, the best practice is if you're going to use it, do it with permission, and then you don't have to worry about it. So your very first podcast was all about myths about lawyers and movies and TV shows shows i mean you mean to tell me there aren't she hulk members of the bar is that a that's a that's another lie isn't it that there you can find she hulk in the courtrooms and no it doesn't doesn't work that way does it what, what are some of the myths you guys talked about on the show well, we actually talked about quite a few yeah. um go ahead ryan give, give them an example of some of the things we talked about yeah you know, one of one of the things that you know just makes us laugh so much especially on some of these more popular modern uh procedural shows like suits mm -hmm. is the idea that a lawyer or a law firm practices every single area of law you know mm -hmm. on suits there's the the lead one of the lead characters harvey specter one day he can be doing like a capital murder defense and then the next day he's doing a mergers and acquisitions for a mm -hmm. fortune 500 company and then he does a divorce these are all very very different skill sets and if you don't have the skills the requisite knowledge or the competency to practice in those areas, you're going to get in trouble with your bar. Have you ever run into anyone like Saul Goodman, who's like, uh, who dresses like a, a rainbow, just sharded all over a Joseph A. Bank location? <laughs> Basically, the way uh, Saul was described on the show by his own brother in Better Call Saul was, the law in your hands is like giving a monkey a machine gun. Uh, do, do you guys run into instances like that, or is the existence of Saul Goodman types just something that's more exclusive to, uh, to television shows like Breaking Bad and so on? Oh, no. There are absolutely lawyers like that. Wow. <laughs> In fact, you know, I'm not going to use any names, but there is a, there's a lawyer in town that, you know, every time I see him, I think, I'm pretty sure he got that suit from the Joker. <laughs> 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 I mean, it, it, it just, yeah. And then, you know, sometimes you see lawyers that go the exact opposite direction and you're like, you know, why is this homeless guy wandering around the front of the courtroom until he stands up to represent a client? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, I mean, you really like, yeah, there are all sorts of people that practice law. And so some of that is, is very accurate when it comes to, uh, the way some people like to go over the top to try to get attention. And and we, we would like to, you know, think that because we both work as hard as we can and we think that we provide exceptional service to our clients that every other firm is like that. But uh, it brings me back to the, just the joke, you know, what do you call the person who graduated last in, uh, in law school? A lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I've heard a similar one. Uh, I think George Carlin used to say somewhere out there, is the world's worst doctor and they're about to see a patient just about now something like that you know it's just it's terrifying exactly. to to know that but 
lawyers that we see in TV shows are constantly putting on a big show, right? Is that mostly right. and, a, and pulling stunts? Yeah, exactly right. Is that something that's real, or is that something that is at least maybe based in somewhat reality, or is that completely made up? Well, listen, it's almost entirely made up. First of all, I've been practicing law what 27, 28 years now. I've never once seen a lawyer held in contempt, yeah. whereas it happens pretty much every show and movie. <laughs> because, but then, you know, and it's important to remember one of the myths we talked about on our show was you don't actually get to do that surprise evidence or that surprise witness where, you know, everyone turns and looks at the courtroom door and suddenly they come walking through. Well, in real life, you have something called discovery. You know, yeah, you have something yeah. called preparation. <laughs> you know, judges don't actually like surprises, and they get very angry when that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is, is you may there, try it, but you're not going to get away with it. Is there a show that is more accurate than most in terms of its portrayal of lawyers? At least hmm, in a, in a, a courtroom question. setting? Yeah. Um, does that something pop to mind for you, Ryan? No, I mean, I see elements of things where I think, <laughs> okay, that show got, got that part right. But I, there's not one show that I'm like, wow, this is, this is really accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. See, that's not, that's really shocking that there's not a single show that accurately portrays lawyers. That seems like it would be problematic. I mean, if I were a lawyer. Well, it would uh, it may be problematic, Bob, but it would also be a ratings bomb. <laughs> because, you know, if you want to talk about real life then, and you wanted to have a show about it, then you'd show us sitting at our desk 12 hours a day for the most part. So, you know, I mean, that's where most of the legal work takes place. You know, courtroom uh, antics are few and far between. And, you know, you may work on a case for years and years before it ever sees the inside of a courtroom. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I can imagine that if someone actually tried to make a, uh, a very realistic portrayal of the practice of law, I don't think people would tune in for very long. So Georgia has become kind of an East Coast Hollywood for streaming shows, especially. Uh, it's the uh, tax rebates, right? Is that how, you know, a state like Georgia becomes the East Coast Hollywood? Is it they just offer tax incentives and then uh, productions see that and then they want to take advantage of that. What, what's the process of attracting uh, Hollywood productions into uh, Georgia? Well, it, it, that's certainly part of it, okay? But that's not all of it, mm -hmm. all right? Because, you know, I, I was Ryan and I were talking about that in the past. You know, there are many reasons that, that, Hollywood, that movies have sort of flocked to Georgia. You know, the state tax credit and the other incentives is very important, but there's other yeah. factors like the climate. You know, you can film here mm -hmm. year round. There's the fact that there's some part of Georgia that can stand in for pretty much any place in the world. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you got you got big cities, you've got small historic towns, you've got mountains, you've got the ocean, you've got pretty much anything you can think of. And if you don't have it, guess what else you do have? About 10 billion green screens that can damn well make it. <laughs> you know? I mean, for example, little known fact, Guardians of the Galaxy actually filmed right here on Earth, Bob. <laughs> I did not know. You mean they didn't go into space? 
Oh, man. <laughs> Believe no, see, it or not. <laughs> this is such a disillusioning conversation. First, you tell me that the lawyers that you see on TV aren't real, and then now this. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but my, it's uh, interesting you bring that up, though, because it's a lot of states do think that it is just the tax credit. So they will end up, you know, passing something similar and in some cases even better than what Georgia has, but they don't understand that's only a, actually a, a relatively small part of it. If you don't have the infrastructure, if you don't have the hundreds of sound stages and the thousands and thousands of tremendous crew members that we have in Georgia, those incentives aren't going to do you any good. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And another state that has tax incentives for uh, Hollywood productions is New Mexico. The problem with New Mexico, though, and obviously we've seen that in Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Shot in Albuquerque, but the difference between New Mexico and Georgia is, as you said, Bo, Georgia is somewhat generic in its countryside. I mean, the the scenery in Georgia, as you said, can stand in for just about any other place, as sort of just a generic place. Isn't uh, Cobra Kai shot in Georgia, too? And, and they're passing that off it, as the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is wild to, you know, you watch a movie and you think, man, that was such, you know, that was beautiful. I, I'd really like to go to Spain. And then suddenly you see the Georgia peach come up at the end. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's the same with uh, Ozark, which is shot in Georgia and passes off uh, itself as Missouri. You'd never know it, though, by looking at, right. the, you know, the, the environment, because they do such a nice job of of creating that myth that you're seeing on screen and, and using, you know, I hate to say the word generic to describe Georgia's countryside, but, it you know, it does. It has that ability to stand in for just about anything. And on your show, you know, and it's. Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny you say that because I'm actually looking out my office window mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the ship that they used as the casino in Ozark. Holy <laughs> they shit. They filmed it right there on the Savannah River. Oh I can see it right God. out my office right now. That is incredible. <laughs> All right. If you're only listening to the free portion of the Bob Seska show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, you're only hearing the first hour of the show. There's an extra 20 minutes of the show after the end credits roll at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday episode, and it's all happening on our Patreon page. Of course, I'm talking about the Shadow Docket podcast at patreon.com slash Show or simply bobseskashow.com. It's a completely unfiltered, commercial-free continuation of all the fun and news, and it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. The Shadow Dockets drop every Tuesday and Thursday after the free shows, and it's only going to cost you $5 per month, and you're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast. So don't miss out. BobSeskaShow.com. Bookmark it. Send it to all your friends on social media, and we thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska. All-time favorites all day long. Well, on your show, you talked about what could happen to end uh, Georgia's role in um, filmmaking. Are we talking political issues there, or is there something else that could stop productions from setting up shop in Georgia? Well, political issues by far the biggest threat yeah. to you know Georgia's standing in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. The Georgia legislature, you know, it seems like every two three years gets bound to determine to do something to foul things up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but luckily we've been able to sort of stave that off so far. And and I think also it's interesting that the overall general mindset has kind of changed. It's gone from oh they're doing something in this state we don't like, so we're mm-hmm. going to pull out to they're doing something in the state we don't like, so we need to go there and fight and change it. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that school of thought. Are Republicans aware of the kind of business that Hollywood brings to the state? I mean, why would they actively undermine the efficacy of the tax incentives and the other incentives for Hollywood productions to come to Georgia? Seems contradictory to me. Fa- shocking that the Republicans would be... <laughs> be contradictory about some some form of policy uh you know kind of getting their kind of getting their fiscal policy mixed up with their culture war or something like that seems seems stupid that's exactly right you got to do the uh, chest thumping you know we don't we don't need those you know Hollywood liberals coming to the state of Georgia, that type of thing. Meanwhile, you know, it's creating thousands of jobs and literally bringing billions of dollars into the economy and helping the state in tremendous ways. But you're right. You know, that's that's that is not what they want to talk about. I mean, uh, I assume that the tax incentives, for example, had support from some Georgia Republicans, at least some, because you think, okay, well, they're Republicans. They like tax cuts. They like reducing the tax burden, especially on corporations. So it would seem like a slam dunk for Republicans to me, but it doesn't seem like that's the case, is it? Like they're based on what you were just saying, Bo, seems like the Republicans are generally opposed to bringing in Hollywood. Generally, yes. And, you know, we actually, the the former governor we had, Governor Purdue, really had a very firm understanding of the benefits. And there were actually several bills that passed that he vetoed, Hmm. um, even though he was a Republican. Um, Haven't seen the same with Kemp, but, you know, who knows? But, you know, luckily, you know, there's there's so much um, there's so many people that are invested in the entertainment industry here they, that they are very quick to mobilize when something that's a legitimate threat happens. And thus far, they've been very successful in, in protecting things. Was the Bowen Law Group at the vanguard of setting up shop to specifically represent some uh, entertainment people? What's the competition look like for the Bowen Law Group? Well, locally, there really isn't any here in Savannah, and really? Savannah is is growing year by year by year. But but certainly in Atlanta, where the vast majority of the productions film because of you know the tremendous infrastructure and the huge studios they have there, um, you know, entertainment law has gone from you know something that very few people had ever even heard of to you know that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a very uh, 
popular area of law to go into now. And yeah. it's, um, you know, there certainly is no shortage of entertainment attorneys when you talk about the Atlanta area. Let's turn now to criminal law. <laughs> and that is uh, everything that's happened in the wake of the insurrection and the big lie and Trump's attempted election fraud, etc. I guess the, the first question along these lines for uh, both of you is, have either of you ever worked with Fonnie Willis? Are you familiar with how she operates? And should we, from your perspective, should we be taking her investigation as seriously as we hope to be taking it? Never worked with her, but she certainly seems committed to doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm. You know, I, when I think about sort of Trump's you know, legal issues that he's, you know, facing right now, Obviously, there's dozens and dozens, but but to me, there's there's really three main ones. Yeah. Okay, there's you've got of course the the what they call the staggering fraud scheme that the New York Attorney General brought in. That's a civil lawsuit, mm -hmm. but I mean, obviously that that could have major ramifications for him. Yeah, yeah. You've got the the holding of the you know the classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. And then you've got right here in Georgia, that special grand jury considering whether, you know, he attempted to influence state election officials after his defeat here. So, you know, she seems to really be doing a thorough and amazing job. I'm, I'm you know, I'm uh, every time I see anything on, on the news or, or, you know, some kind of breaking news, I'm instantly glued. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see what's going to happen next. <laughs> is there a lot of conversation happening just among legal circles about, uh, you know, the possibility of where this investigation goes? And I mean, because it's a big fucking deal for, you know, someone like Fonnie Willis to be going after a former president. In fact, it's a big it's a big deal for anyone, any prosecutor to be going after an ex-president because it's never, ever happened before. That's the one that I've been focused on. Like, OK, the Fonnie Willis investigation in Georgia is probably the thing that's going to stick to the wall the most. But is that the sort of the assessment that's happening on the ground in Georgia? I would love to say yes to that question, Bob, but I can't because okay. I think that there there's such a sense of he has gotten away with so much mm -hmm. for so long. How is it going to happen again this time? You know, so there is certainly some skepticism. But also, and look, I'm not—I don't know what you think, Ryan, but I'm gonna—I'm gonna say that the Georgia bar is probably still pretty blue. I mean, sorry, still pretty red. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think we heard a lot more about this, not exactly this investigation, but really just the frivolous lawsuits that were filed all over Georgia, especially the one, the courthouse right down the street from ours. You know, the mm -hmm. judge just threw those those cases out, you know, yeah. basically laughed, laughed Trump's lawyers out of the courtroom. Hmm. Um, and these are these are some you know, high, high paid corporate attorneys out of Atlanta that came down to Chatham County and completely got their ass kicked. Hmm. So I think, I think that there's, um, I think there's some real interest in what's going on, but uh, we're just waiting to see really. Have you guys heard the new acronym for MAGA make attorneys get attorneys, <laughs> which I find <laughs> immensely entertaining. Uh, Christina Bob's in trouble right now with uh, Department of Justice for signing off on that 
FBI document saying that there were or saying that there weren't any more TSSCI documents at Mar-a-Lago. And now, of course, she's had to get her own legal representation. Why does any lawyer be, agree to take on Trump as a client? I'm sure there's publicity, but is the publicity really worth the endless nightmare? I don't understand how all of these attorneys still say, knowing his track record, still say, well, you know what? This is a golden opportunity. I'm going to sign on with that Trump team, unless you're Chris Keis, right? Chris Keis got a $3 million, what, advance, got a retainer, $3 million. Right. Yeah. So he was able to uh, grab the money and then, you know, ended up uh, leaving the team. (laughs) But he got paid, that's for sure. I mean, why why does anyone do that? Why does anyone sign on to, uh, to Donald Trump's team? Well, that, that's, uh, you know, I think one of the universe's great mysteries, Bob. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it, like like Ashby on your site used to always say anyone close to Trump ultimately gets embarrassed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's absolutely true. He, uh, you know, I mean, w- what gets me is he if you're going to represent him, you know, you're going to routinely lose, first of all. Second, you know he's not going to listen to you. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, him spending $3 million on a lawyer, all I was thinking is, you know, that's like me going to the most e- expensive restaurant in the world, you know, dropping $30,000 and not eating a bite of it. <laughs> because, yeah. You know, you know he's just going to ignore anything they say. <laughs> I mean, I'm so, sure I'm sure, I'm sure you've both had difficult clients at one point or another. In fact, I've probably been one of those difficult clients. I don't know for sure, but it's <laughs> it's possible. Uh, but what do you do? What do you do? You're Trump's lawyer or you're one of Trump's lawyers and he's micromanaging every move you make. How do you handle something like that? How do you navigate a situation like that? Uh, I mean, short of just walking away. Right. Well, and, and, you know, plus he has a history of stiffing his lawyers yeah. and everyone involved in his circles. So, you know, I mean, that just adds another factor. But I will tell you, Bob, very honestly, I handle things like that much differently now, now that I've been mm-hmm. practicing for so long than I did when I was a young lawyer. You know, as a young lawyer, you still, you know, you try to find middle ground, you, you know, try to work things that you try to use reason, you know, after 20 years of it, though, I feel much more comfortable saying, look, you dumb piece of shit. Listen to me. You hired me for a reason. (laughs) That's why you're my lawyer, Bo. (laughs) So funny. Uh, Yeah. And you know what? I've been thinking about this lately. What is a trial of Donald Trump, either in Georgia or D.C. or wherever? What does that even look like? I mean, he hasn't even been indicted on the Mar-a-Lago espionage front. And already we're way down this rabbit hole with the special master and petitions to the Supreme Court. I mean, any idea how prosecutors will keep the trial from descending into absolute chaos? I mean, it's it seems like there's the potential for irrespective of venue, there's the potential for this trial or any trial to explode well beyond the confines of the OJ trial. seems like it would be bigger and more chaotic than even that, right? It would have to be. I mean, it would be, 
people always say, you know, the trial of the decade or the trial of the century. This would be the trial of Earth. I I mean, who would not be, no matter who you're supporting, who would not be glued to the television to watch that? It would be amazing. So let me ask you each then, uh, we'll start with Bo. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being most likely, uh, what's the likelihood from your perspective that Donald Trump's going to be indicted in one of these, I mean, we'll put the civil uh, cases aside, in one of these criminal situations, whether it's Mar-a-Lago, whether it's Fonnie Willis, what am I missing? There's a Trump organization being prosecuted in Manhattan. Uh, what are the odds that Donald Trump is going to end up seeing the inside of a courtroom or, you know, be the subject of a perp walk? Wow. Um, I think that I'm a little more optimistic than most. Yeah. Um, So I think the chance that he will ultimately get indicted in at least one of these incidents is fairly high. Um, You know, probably I'm going to go probably 80% chance. So eight out of 10, I think that will happen. And now I don't think that there will be a perp walk. I I think that that would all be worked out in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even the prosecutor probably would not want to make, you know, a big circus out of it and and bring that much attention to it. They probably want to just try to do their job with as little fanfare as possible, given, you know, the, the attention that will already be on them. Um, you know, I, 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 Let's put it this way. If it was anyone else on the planet, anyone else in the country charged with the same things, the odds would be what? 150%? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Without a doubt. And that's what's one of the many frustrating things about watching this process uh, play out is that anyone else, any normal person, never would have gotten a special master or any of that, any of the other ridiculousness that's circulating around the special master. What do you think, Ryan, on a scale of one to 10, does he see, uh, does he see an indictment in his future? I, I think so. I think the time's never been better. I, I think that for the first, you know, handful of allegations to come out, whether it's the impeachment or the insurrection, everything else, I mean, he, he skirted a lot of things, but after, after his presidency, things are really catching fire. People are really standing up for, you know the the criminal acts that he's he's committed, and I I would have to agree with Bo that I'd say it's in the seventy to eighty percent chance that he gets it, that one of these oh, sticks. Man. Okay, short break. Back with more Bo and Ryan right after these words. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska plays more music. 
before I let you both go, uh, there's another topic that comes up a lot on my show, and that is slap suits, strategic lawsuits against public participation. It's, as far as I'm concerned, it's the Republican form of cancel culture. That's how they're engaging in cancel culture, these uh, sort of frivolous defamation suits. Devin Nunes, Trump himself, James O'Keefe, right, Bo? (laughs) Right, absolutely. Yeah, that's James O'Keefe's primary weapon (laughs) other than a video camera, uh, hidden cameras, I should say. What makes them so utterly dangerous. Why is it that I'm complaining so much about them and so many other people are complaining about the existence of slap suits? Well, it's, it's all about resources, Bob. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you, when someone, whether you want to call them a, you know, a whistleblower or just someone that's, you know, trying to take a stand against wrongdoing in some way, but you're going up against a person or a corporation or just some entity with, with, many, many, many times more resources than you and money, then obviously that is a strategic move on their part to mm-hmm. try to bury you in paperwork and legal fees and just force you to back down. That's, you know, it's, it's a huge, and the fact of the matter is it works. It's effective. Yeah. So it's not a theoretical thing. I mean, they really do uh, cause true harm and protect wrongdoers um, in a way that, that I find personally repugnant. And I, I, I'm happy to see that there's more and more of a push for anti-slap laws, you mm-hmm. know, in, in different states, you know, because it, it's definitely needed. How do you determine uh, the difference between uh, just a, a straight up slap suit and a legitimate defamation claim? Well, <laughs> I guess whether or not the person is a wrongdoer or not. I guess so. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's what it basically comes down to. If certainly, if um, you know, someone is out there making claims of you know illegal activity against a person or an entity or a corporation that that has done nothing wrong, then it's very easy to understand why they would pursue a defamation claim. But in the case where someone has actually engaged in this behavior and they're now using the legal system simply as a tool to try to get away with it and try to bully the people that are trying to stand up against them into backing down. I mean, that's just a classic slap situation. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you I guess it was one of those situations where, you know, it when you see it, is that the case with defamation where uh, it's kind of jumps off the page or is a little bit more interpretive in terms of how you uh, quantify the uh, the defamation itself? Well, it's interesting because, you know, we have people all the time that come in and they let's say they're they're writing a book and they want to talk about incidents and they want to talk about people. And, you know, certainly we have that conversation with them about, OK, could this be considered defamatory or not? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the real crucial key there is, do you have actual evidence of the wrongdoing that you're alleging? It's not just, this is what I think, this is what I believe, but you've actually got whatever it is, uh, you know, their own words somehow used against them or, or, you know, a history of past behavior, something that really needs to be brought forward. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, defamation, 
you know, that, that comes in when you're – most of the times it's when you're accusing someone of violating the law. That's defamation yeah. per se, yeah. um, not just – you know, a lot of times you can you can protect yourself a little bit by saying I think, <laughs> as opposed to like you know. But but still, even then, you know, you have to be careful because you know there's there's not a big difference between you know Bob Seska murdered a hooker and I think Bob Seska murdered a hooker. You know what I yeah, mean? I mean th- yeah. those are still very much defamatory. But you know, but then you're getting in a much grayer area when you're like, wow, um this person acts like a guilty person. They really, you know, I just have a feeling they've done you know, when you're not doing it as something very specifically factual, you, you can pretty much protect yourself. It's it's really being used to shut people up, and that's what I've seen happening more often than not. It just it seems like there's this new way of going about political debate in this country, which is that it starts out using the normal parameters of a political debate on the internet and then always ends up landing with, I'm going to sue you now for defamation because of all of these different reasons. It seems like so much of politics is now merging into that lane, into that lane of lawsuits where it's no longer just a disagreement over issues, it's now going to come down to eventually you're going to get sued. And so that makes it especially frustrating. But you were saying, Bo, that there are laws being passed right now to uh, either what regulate or end slap suits altogether. Well, they're intended to prevent people from using courts or even just the potential threat of a lawsuit to intimidate people who are exercising their first amendment rights. Right. Okay. Um, and so the, the person under, you know, under most of the statutes that are being considered now, um, the person being sued makes a, by the slap lawsuit makes a motion to strike the case and it, and it gives you a right to file a motion to strike the case because it involves speech on a matter of public concern. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you still have the burden of proving, um, you know, that fact. Well, actually, in the last one I saw that I, I reviewed, that it actually shifted the burden then to the person that had filed the allegedly the alleged slap lawsuit. Yeah. Um, it put the burden back on them to show a probability that they would prevail in the suit. They must show they have evidence that could result in a favorable verdict. And if they can't meet that burden, it would be dismissed. Yeah. Um, and so it's crazy that you don't have that right automatically without one of these anti-slap you know, laws in place, but you don't. Um, hmm. So it, it's good to see that. So at least at, you have the option at the very beginning to show exactly what this is and still move forward. Is there some kind of legal roadblock that's being established in some of these anti-slap laws that will prevent this process of engaging in a slap suit merely to get them to, as you were saying before, to just rack up gigantic legal bills in the process of defending yourself, but then ultimately knowing that it's ne- the suit is never going to hold up in court. So is there anything that is being established legally to push back against that sort of punitive, we're just going to, we're going to bury you in paperwork and legal fees. Uh, is there something to stop 
that aspect of it because that seems to be the most damaging element of uh, of a slap suit. That's the thing that everyone goes, well, okay, well, it's my opinion. I've got free speech. I can say certain things on the internet, but I don't want to be buried under these legal fees, so I'm just going to acquiesce to whoever this, uh, uh, whoever's bringing the lawsuit. You, you see what I mean? Is there some way to stop that? No, I know that? exactly what you mean. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, what are the consequences if it's determined that someone has engaged in that type of behavior? Exactly. Um, Right. So there's not, honestly, a whole lot that can be done. It's not like you could say, okay, nope, they show that this is a slap suit, so we're going to put the person who filed it into jail. You know, that's not going to happen. Really, the only teeth that you can put into an anti-slap uh, law is to allow the defendant um, who's, who's alleging that they're the victim of the slap mm-hmm. litigation to collect all of their attorney's fees from the plaintiff. That's, yeah, that's yeah. really it. Um, but at least you know if you prevail, then there is something there, and there is a, at least a little bit to dissuade these people. Now, some of them have so much money, paying the plaintiff's attorney's fees isn't going to, or the defendant's attorney's fees isn't going to make a big difference. But at least it helps the person who's having to defend themselves. All right, so... The podcast is called Allegedly with Bo and Ryan, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Links in the description under this episode of bobseskashow.com. How often do you guys post a new episode? Uh, we've been posting one every other Thursday. Excellent. So we're all, we just, our episode six is dropping tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are uh, going to try for at least for now, because, you know, we still do actually practice law <laughs> right <laughs> we're, we're trying to release some new content every two weeks excellent what's the show about tomorrow ryan you want to take that yeah absolutely that makes me think that you forgot what our show is <laughs> <laughs> well we just recorded it so give me a little credit yeah. i just feel like i've been talking too much uh, you're good. <laughs> well, tomorrow you know we we like to think about different th- different things we're we're an entertainment law podcast we're trying to be entertaining as well and so tomorrow we look at if different professionals be them athletes actors musicians decided to go into the practice of law who would who would make our short list for who we think would make great lawyers so each of us get to pick a a round of an actor musician and athlete oh my god that's a great idea like okay give us an example bo who is an actor who would make a great lawyer? I mean, other than Sam Waterston. <laughs> I'm just well, assuming. The, um, you know, one of the rules we put in place for this challenge, especially when it comes to actors, is we said it couldn't be an actor who had actually portrayed a lawyer oh, at something before. Because right. that was kind of cheating. So, <laughs> okay. uh, so but I, I, I'm happy to give a sneak preview of my answer. Uh, my answer was actually Gemma Chan. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with her from Crazy Rich Asians? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, right. So she actually is, uh, the more I've read about her, she is brilliant. She's mm-hmm. got a uh, genius level IQ. Um, we talked about the fact that, that, or at least I talked about the fact that, you know, I mean, she's she's one of the most beautiful women on earth. And, mm-hmm. and what you talk about, you know, while certainly just being attractive is not enough to be a great lawyer, 
it definitely doesn't hurt when you're trying to command attention in a courtroom. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a reason that, you know, George Clooney and Cary Grant are (laughs) leading men and not (laughs) Steve Buscemi or 2022 Mickey Rourke. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that was my, that was my choice. Mickey Rourke would be a great lawyer. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Totally together. But you got that. You've got her fantastic, you know, immense intelligence. And then you've got the fact that, um, you know, I've seen her, I've seen interviews with her where she is so incredibly intelligent, makes her point very passionate. I could just picture her in front of a jury just absolutely demolishing the other side. Uh, So, Gemma, if you're listening, we will be glad to hire you. You know who I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with uh, the actor who plays uh, Captain Pike on Strange New Worlds. I think Anson Mount would make a great lawyer. I'm just going to throw that in there as a suggestion. Handsome Mount. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that doesn't hurt, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what do you think, Ryan? What's who's an actor you would uh, select as like, let's give us give us a preview of what your one of your choices is going to be for tomorrow. Yeah, so I when we looked into this, I had to say I was really impressed with Rashida Jones, you know, oh, actress, yeah. daughter of Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, just so so here's what I found out about Rashida Jones that just blew me away. So again, she's brilliant, Harvard educated. Actually, wanted to be a lawyer up until she got disillusioned with the whole legal system during the O.J. Simpson trial. But back in I think it was 1993, um, you know, at the height of Quincy Jones making music with Michael Jackson, Tupac, of all people, released this statement about Quincy Jones and his family, his, and particularly the fact that Quincy Jones' family is biracial, and just, just saying how that was um, an insult to, to black people, is what Tupac said. Hmm. Rashida Jones, at this point, was 17 years old, and... She, you know, took this, of course, she, she was so offended by this. She wrote this open letter hmm. that was actually published in uh, Source magazine, you know, going up against Tupac and his ignorant thoughts. And as a 17 year old, I mean, it's, it's brilliant, this, this, this essay that she wrote. And it actually led to Tupac becoming a close friend of the, the Jones family. He, he made amends. And he actually ended up dating one of Quincy Jones' daughters. And he was dating her up until the time of his death. So hmm. the ability to bring people together to um, to be persuasive, to be an advocate for for people and bring them together, I thought that that was a really great story and reason I chose her. All right. Well, I can't wait for the new episode. Uh, again, that drops tomorrow and then every other Thursday after that. I wish you guys all the, the best success. I mean, it's the show is wonderful. The show is funny. The show is informative. And if you're into the law, if you, if you have a lawyer fetish, this is the show that you, <laughs> you totally <laughs> want to subscribe to. Again, everywhere you get your podcasts. And, of course, the uh, website is thebowenlawgroup.com, the best legal representation you could possibly find anywhere. And, Bo, thank you so much for being such a great friend and uh, uh, such a uh, outstanding representative of of uh, my interests all these years. I really, really appreciate it. So, yeah. It's a pleasure, Bob, and it's an honor to be your friend. I'm looking forward to having you both back on again real soon. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much, Bob. Sounds great. Take it easy, guys. 
Bye-bye.